Welcome to Lasting Truth, a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel, Sweet Hills in Banning, California, where Pastor Ryan Hussein teaches the entire Word of God, chapter by chapter, verse by verse, giving our listeners the opportunity of receiving the full counsel of God. In today's program, we are studying the book of 2 Chronicles, chapter 2. Here's Pastor Ryan. Just blessed to see what God is doing in our church. Amen. Uh, turn with me in your Bibles this evening to 2 Chronicles uh, chapter 2, verse 17. Chapter 2, verse 17. For those of you who don't know, Calvary chapels are known for going through the whole uh, Bible. And so on Wednesday nights, we... We are in the Old Testament, so that is, and then on Sundays in the New Testament. Second Chronicles chapter 2, verse 17, give me an amen once you are there. All right. And Father, we thank you so much for this evening. We thank you for your great love and mercy and grace and kindness towards us, Lord. Uh, your mercies are new every day. Your love never fails. And Lord, we just thank you that you've brought us to this place where we can come and fellowship and praise your name, for you are worthy of all praise, Lord. You are the one true God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You created the world, you, cre you created us. And so we're grateful for this place, Lord. Help us to uh, now learn from your word. Open up our understanding, Lord. Give us humble hearts. Remove pride. Remove anger, bitterness, any sin that would hinder us from receiving your living word. And speak to us, Lord. Pour out your grace, Father. May it be all of you and none of me. In Jesus' name we pray and together we say, Amen. All right, so as you know, uh, King Solomon is now King Solomon. He's the anointed king there of, of Israel. His father, uh, king David has passed away, uh, but King Solomon is determined to build the Lord a house, his temple in Jerusalem. Uh, we know that it was on his father's heart, but the Lord said no to his father because he was a man of war. But David, before he died, prepared with all his heart uh, the preparations of building the temple and kind of set it all up for his son to then now build the temple. And so now it's time for Solomon to build the temple in our story. And uh, <clears throat> Solomon had written a letter to the king of Tyre, which was in north of Israel, modern day Lebanon, Tyre, the Phoenicians. They were known for being great masons, great wood Workers. They made beautiful palaces out of wood. They made everything out of wood beautifully. It was a, a Lebanon today is known for the cedars, the trees, the cedar trees. It's famous for it. And so at this time, he was sending uh, cedars down uh, to Israel for the building of the temple of the Lord. And, and so Solomon wrote him a letter. Hey, you helped out my father. Help me out. Send materials. Send, you know, your best artisans. We're going to make God a magnificent house. And he responded, 
you know, he blessed Solomon and, and obliged. And so he, he sent to him uh, a man by the name of Huram, Huram, which was, he was half Jewish, half Phoenician. So it was perfect. And he was uh, just skilled in everything building, you know, bronze, gold, silver, wood, everything. And so he sent Huram down there uh, to help him. And that's where we're at in our story. He's about to start building the temple. And we'll just see how the Lord speaks to our hearts. In verse one, um, actually in verse uh, 17, um, it says, this is after the letter here. It says, then Solomon numbered all the aliens who were in the land of Israel <clears throat> um, after the census in which David, his father, had numbered them. And there were found to be 153,006. And he made 70,000 of them bearers of burdens and 80,000 stone cutters in the mountain and 3,600 overseers to make the people work. And so they were mentioned earlier in chapter 2, and now they're mentioned again. But this time, uh, the scriptures make it clear that these were the aliens who lived in Israel. These were uh, not Jewish, but these were uh, Gentiles who were in the land that uh, Solomon was able to uh, make help build the temple. And it's the heavy lifting, obviously. It's, it's the carrying of the burdens. It's the, the uh, quarrying of stone from the mountain. This is heavy, heavy work. And it's being done not for the Jews, mind you. And this temple is for them. But in a sense, it's a beautiful picture of what God had in mind all along for the future church of Jesus Christ, that it would be a church not just of the Jews, but of the whole world, right? So we know that Christianity began uh, with the Jews, and then it spread to the Gentiles. And, and it really was the day of Pentecost when God poured out his Holy Spirit in the book of Acts that they went out and God began to speak to the apostles that, hey, my kingdom is bigger than Jerusalem and Israel. It's for the whole world. It's for all people. And, and so that's a very beautiful thing that we see in the Bible that God allows and calls everybody who would believe in his son Jesus Christ to be a part of his church, not just the Jews. Amen? It's a really beautiful thing. Um, back in, in John's gospel, or I should say forward in this case because it's in the New Testament, but in John's gospel in the first chapter, John writes that about Jesus that he came to his own and his own did not receive him. Also, Paul, the apostle in the book of Acts, mind you, Paul the apostle was Jewish himself. He testified <clears throat> to the Jews who were in Corinth that Jesus was the Christ, uh, but they opposed him there and uh, they blasphemed the name of the Lord there. And so he shook his garments in front of them. He shook it off kind of as a like, well, then forget you kind of thing. And he said to them, your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. So we see that happening uh, in the New Testament, in the book of Acts. Um, we know that in general, the Jews as a nation rejected Jesus as their Messiah. 
And so the gospel went to the Gentiles instead, as I just mentioned. And the majority of believers have been Gentiles up until, since the book of Acts. It's, the majority is the rest of the world. And yes, there's Jewish believers. But generally, as a nation, they have rejected Jesus as their Messiah. Um, but it's, it's mostly made up of Gentiles, the Church of Christ today. Um, and it is the Gentile church that has done most of the heavy lifting for the church of Jesus Christ. As we see that they're doing the heavy lifting for the temple at this time, it's a picture of really what would take place in the future. That as, you know, uh, the gospel was first preached to the house of Israel, then it was rejected, but then it went to the Gentiles and it was accepted. And then the Gentiles did most of the work for the church, the heavy lifting. Interesting, isn't it? But the Jews did their own heavy lifting and thank God for them because they carried the oracles of God for the whole world all those thousands of years. Think about that. Like the Bibles that we love. Thank you to the Jewish people whose you know, forefathers kept this for us. They kept it for us. And that's why Paul says you know, beautiful things about them in the book of Romans, that God's not done with them, and how, um, you know, there, it, there, it's, a, there's a, it's a beautiful thing to, to, to have the heritage of being Jewish because of the oracles of God that were committed to them, and the history of that. And when a, a Jewish man or woman comes to know Jesus Christ as their Messiah, wow, when they get the knowledge of all they know of the, of the Torah, the five books of, of, of Moses, and they come together with the New Testament, and it, it, the knowledge is like woof, and the feasts and stuff that they celebrate today, it all points to Jesus, and they see so clearly because of their heritage. And, um, but it was, um, so they did do their own heavy lifting, but once the, once the Spirit was poured out, it's generally the Gentiles that have been going around the world. And, um, but it was always in God's heart that his church be mixed with all kinds of people, with all walks of life. Amen? It was always his heart. Um, in John 10, 16, John 10, 16, it's a beautiful verse. Write it down. Check it out later. Jesus said, as he was talking about being the good shepherd, he says, And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. How cool is that? He said, right? You know, aside from his own people, of the, according to the flesh, there's, a, there's another flock that's going to come in, speaking of the Gentiles, right? And they will be one people, which is a huge miracle. And um, Hosea is also... Um, quoted in the New Testament um, by Paul in uh, Hosea 2.23 it speaks of God one day inviting all people not just the Jews then I will sow her for myself in the earth and I will have mercy on her who had not obtained mercy then I will say to those who were not my people you are my people and they shall say you are my God that's a beautiful thing those who are not my people can say they are my people because God says you are his people. And that should bless the heart of the sinner 
Because many sinners out there feel that they are unwanted and ostracized and aren't welcomed in God's family. God will take any sinner who's willing to repent of their sins and put their trust in His Son. They will be received into His family. Not just to be adopted sons and daughters, but also heirs. Heirs of the king. You just enter into royalty. It's such a beautiful thing. So if you're watching this or listening, or you're here tonight, don't let the devil think that you 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 can't fit into God's family. My goodness, if he would take us, he'll take anyone. Anyone. But he calls us to repent. He calls us to repent. Stop living for ourselves. <clears throat> Paul would write to the Gentiles in the church in Romans 11. You ought to write it down. It's very doctrinal. It's about the state of things today between the Jews and the Gentiles. And what's really going on? You know, in Romans 11, 25, verse 26, he, uh, Paul says, For I do not want you, brethren, or I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness, in part, has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved, as it is written, the deliverer will come out of Zion and he will turn turn away ungodliness from Jacob. In other words, God is saying to us that, uh, you know, we are, uh, or he says that Israel is blinded until the fullness of the time of the Gentiles has come to pass. And so as the churches, as God is working through the Gentile church today, there'll be a time when the church is removed out of here, and that's before God pours out his wrath. And and we call that the rapture of the church, where before God judges this world, he's going to remove his church. And once he does that, the blinders are going to come off of Israel, and they're going to realize that Jesus is the Messiah. And that is after, of course, the Antichrist builds their third temple and deceives the whole world and uh, makes everyone uh, take his mark in order to go to the grocery store. Amen? It's <laughs> a lot for a Wednesday night. I know that sentence alone is like, whoa. All right. But I would say that, uh, and also in Romans 11, 11, he says, uh, I say then, have they stumbled? Has Israel stumbled that they should fall? Certainly not. But through their fall, to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. So in the meantime, we pray for Israel and our love for Jesus Christ, our devotion to Jesus Christ, is a mechanism to cause jealousy on their part to want to know him. So the better we live it, the more we pray for them, the more they see the Christian church loving on, on Jesus Christ, our, our Jewish Messiah, it'll cause them to uh, desire salvation. Interesting. All right, so the application is obviously God uses people from all walks of life to come together, and that's what we are here. Everyone. Everyone should be doing the heavy lifting, right? As the aliens were doing the heavy lifting here in our text, all of us, you know, we're one body. We come together, and when everyone takes part, it makes the load a lot lighter. 
Amen? So, so think about that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Paul would write, For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greek, whether slaves or free, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. Right? It doesn't matter our background. We're one in Christ. That's a beautiful thing. Only Christ can make that. Only Christ can do that. It's the greatest <laughs> experience of being a Christian. One of the greatest experiences, I should say, is, is experiencing how it's a big soup pot. And, you know, who doesn't like soup? You know, it's just phenomenal. Just, just, it's, it's funny. It's very funny, actually, to see people of all walks of life hanging out and having fun. It's a sweet thing. All right, so in verse 1 of chapter 3, Now Solomon began to build the house of the Lord at Jerusalem on Mount Moriah. And so we see here in verse 1 of chapter 2, it says that Solomon was determined to build a temple for the name of the Lord. But now we read in verse 1 of the third chapter that he's actually beginning now to build the house. So in chapter 2, he was determined to. In chapter 3, he's now doing it. There's a real lesson in that, that we as believers in Christ, you know, we, we shouldn't be those who just have good intentions of doing something for the Lord being, being those who, you know, God speaks to our heart and we say, yeah, I'm going to do that for the Lord. But then we never do it. We don't want to be that kind of Christian. We want to be those that when we hear God speak into our hearts, like you ought to be serving the Lord. You ought to volunteer. You ought to go to church more regularly. You ought to give like I spoke to your heart, to give more. Whatever God is saying to your heart, he's always speaking to us and he's has directions for us and 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 maybe that's you tonight where god has said you know you need to be involved you need to do something or you you know and you just haven't done it or maybe you said you know what i'm going to i'm going to next week tomorrow 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 it's that it's like that shirt that that's that's for procrastinators it says procrastinators unite tomorrow <laughs> and that's kind of the way many Christians are, you know, it's, 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 I was determined, but there's never the doing of it. And I, it reminded me of when Paul was um, speaking to the Corinthian church concerning um, their giving financially to the church in Jerusalem. Remember that in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, um, he was, there was the, the church in Jerusalem was having financial difficulties. And so Paul was collecting an offering from all the other churches. And the churches in, in Macedonia, they were afflicted, they were persecuted, and they were broke. But yet they gave, and, they, and he collected from them anyway. In the Corinthian church, they had determined to give. They had said they would give, but then they didn't give. So he wrote this to them. He said, I speak not by commandment, but I am testing the sincerity of your love by the diligence of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. And in this I give advice. It is to your advantage not only to be doing what you began and were desiring to do a year ago, but now you also must complete the doing of it. Right? And that's 
kind of, you know, Solomon. He determined to do it, and now he's doing it. And God has spoken. And maybe it's, I'm going to attend church regularly now. Like, you know, it's like my, my, my Christian resolution. God has spoken. I haven't been consistent. I don't fellowship with anybody. I just come in and I bounce. I got to open up to people now and, you know, stick around a little bit. There's, there's always instructions from the Lord to help us to be better Christians that, that, you know, we think we're getting away with it because no one's really calling us on it, but yet God sees the heart. And what, he de- what have you determined to be different about in the Lord? And, and, and now it may be time that God is saying, do it. Do it. Now Solomon began to build the house of the Lord at Jerusalem on Mount Moriah. Uh, at Jerusalem on Mount Moriah where the Lord had appeared to his father David at the place that David had prepared on the threshing floor of Ornan, the Jebusite. And, uh, and so the foundation of where the temple's going to be is at the threshing floor of this man called Ornan, the Jebusite. And you remember the story uh, of, of Ornan and King David back in First Chronicles 21 where David was stirred by Satan to number the people. And he, so he did a census of how many people there were in Israel. And it wasn't a good thing. It wasn't like, you know, let's do a census so we can know how many paper plates to, to buy to feed everybody. And so everyone has a plate or whatever. It wasn't for logistics. It was a prideful thing, kind of the way the kings around him were doing. And just, oh, my army is that big, so we're that great. But Israel's protection has always been from the Lord, not the size of an army. So God really took offense to that. And you know the story, there was a plague and because of it, and the angel of the Lord was going to destroy Jerusalem. And uh, he was right there near Ornan's threshing floor on Mount Moriah. And um, David confessed before the Lord and... uh, he was giving instructions by the angel via Gad, the prophet, who told David, here's what you got to do to make things right. Go to the threshing floor of this man, Ornan, and uh, build an altar to the Lord there. And so, you know the story. He goes there, and Ornan sees him, and he bows his head before the king like so. And, and he tells, uh, uh, you know, David, like, or David tells him, uh, Grant me the place of your threshing floor that I may build an altar to the Lord. But, but uh, Ornan uh, said to David, hey, take, it, take it for yourself and let my Lord the king do whatever is good in his eyes. In other words, the king wants the threshing floor. He says to him, go ahead and have it free of charge. It's all yours, king. Do whatever you want. And, and he also said, look, I have the oxen for the burnt offerings, the threshing implements for the wood, uh, and the wheat for the grain offering. I give it all. I give it all to you. You're, you're the king. You're King David. I give it all. Then the king responded to Ornan, no, 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 no. But I will not surely, uh, but I will surely buy it for full price, for I will not take what is yours for the Lord, nor offer burnt offerings which have cost me nothing. No way. So he, I'm not going to offer to God something that, you know what I mean, that isn't a sacrifice for me. So he pays the full price, and, and the plague is stopped. The angel puts his sword back in the sheath, and God answered as he, as he offered sacrifices. God answered by, you know, throwing fire down on the altar from heaven. Crazy. Right there in Jerusalem, Mount Moriah. 
It's a place where the plague was stopped. It's a place of sacrifice. It's also the place, as you know, where Abraham, back in Genesis, Father Abraham was tested by the Lord whether or not he truly loved God. And so back in Genesis 22, you know the story. God says, uh, uh, you know, uh, Abraham, and he said, here I am. And he says, uh, take your son, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. And so Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. But Isaac, once they got there and there's the wood and there's the, you know, uh, the, the artifacts to do the sacrifice. And Isaac said to Abraham, his father, my father, and he said, here I am, my son. And he says, look, the fire, the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, my son, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering. And so the two of them went together. And you know the story as he was about to sacrifice his son. Angel of the Lord said, don't lay your hand on, on the lad. And God provided the sacrifice. That's Mount Moriah, place of sacrifice. Thank you for joining us today at Lasting Truth Radio. If you're in the area, come on out and join us for Sunday services at 8.30 a.m. and at 10.30 a.m. or Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. We are located at 3035 West Nicollet Street in Banning, California. You can also find us on YouTube or Instagram. If you'd like to donate to our program, please do so on our website at ccsweethills.org and hit the online giving tab. We hope you will continue to tune in as we journey through the entire Word of God with the teaching of Pastor Ryan Hussein at Calvary Chapel Sweet Hills.